Welcome to Watch Me Pod, y'all. It's the salad bar for punk, emo, and hardcore. I'm Jim. I'm Hugo. Uh, this, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, it's a, pro- a project that we started recently for the year 2022 and beyond uh, to sort of dive into the nooks and crannies of punk, emo, and hardcore, uh, provide analysis. Uh, in areas that, you know, some of which have been explored to death, others of which maybe haven't been explored at all or uh, not in ways that we find meaningful. We'd be having a lot of these conversations anyway. And so this is a, a way for us to kind of open the gates, let you into our uh, our hive mind and uh, and hopefully give you some analysis that you'll uh, that'll make your your music loving life uh, more enjoyable. Um, we thank you for listening uh, today. We're talking about the legendary, the incomparable Trust Kill Records, uh, the heavy hardcore and metalcore uh, label from the 90s and 2000s that, that shaped so much of what we, we know today to be uh, heavy hardcore, metallic hardcore, metalcore, that whole spectrum. Uh, really, ex- really excited to dive in. Before, before we jump in, Hugo, do you have anything, anything to add? No, I'm just like stoked to be here. I'll just echo what you said. Thank you for listening. Um, episodes like these are especially fun because I totally miss the metalcore thing in the 2000s. There's some of the stuff I know, but a lot of it I don't. So it's, it's just a super fun exercise. I was much more on the emo pop punk side. Steven's entitled Rock Show Warp Tour, Fueled by Ramen kind of core stuff. So I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah, and a little uh, little background on me. So I um, I totally cut my teeth on this stuff. Uh, I'm a, a senior citizen uh, in the grander scheme of things, especially in the hardcore scheme of things. So I was in high school and really kind of musically coming of age when the trust core stuff, the trust kill core stuff was really hitting. Um, I think the first proper hardcore show I went to was in 2005 March of 2005 and it was a show that that featured among many others terror um, getting to see terror during the one with the underdogs era was a, a pretty cool privilege that I didn't really fully grasp at the time but uh so my my whole vision of hardcore my whole coming of age in hardcore is heavily tinted by this stuff so I'm super stoked to talk about it um we'll go ahead and dive right in Tresco was started in 1993 in Tinton Falls, New Jersey, by a fellow named Josh Josh Grabel. Uh, and he initially started it as just kind of a hardcore and punk fanzine, but pretty quickly realized the sort of vision that he had and the opportunity that he had to, to make something happen. And he pretty quickly started releasing records and merch by uh, by 1994, and it sort of blossomed into a, a full-fledged label from from there now before we get into the proper discography it's important important to point out that there was an initial release on trust skill that was one of the most iconic that was a comp uh hugo do you want to speak briefly about that yeah it's called land agreed by embrace it's a split release i can't remember the name of the other label but it had a veil um rancid and um and others and i just think it's a really cool shot and like um i don't know just like one of those interesting little snapshots even though that's totally not what trust kill would do i think it's cool to just see them 
doing something that's so iconic, obviously, because Embrace is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, just like one of the coolest comps ever. Uh, there was a time, uh, some of you might be old enough to remember when comps were really big and they had like a major role in agenda setting and uh, to pick such a cool uh, niche, such an influential band to, to ape on your first comp, definitely a power move. Um, getting into the actual discography. So it kind of starts in 1994 with a, a band called Harvest from Minneapolis. Uh, and what I got out of Harvest was a lot of kind of the roots trust kill sound. You hear where things like Poison the Well come from. Uh, definitely hear it drawing from, from Earth Crisis, but kind of adding a more aggro shredded um, kind of like feels in a, in a way, like pretty much like the bridge between Earth Crisis and and poison the well. Uh, I think a lot of the the bands in this early in this early stage kind of function as just sort of unmolded clay and connective tissue between an old sound and a new sound. Um, what did you think about Harvest Hugo? Um, you're gonna hate you're gonna hate me for a lot of this episode, but um, it was fine. I mean, I I really can't remember much. It was good. I think there's just other stuff from this era on Trust Hill that uh, appealed to me more, but I really do love the 90s metalcore sound a lot. So like, even if it's like a band I'm not crazy about, it's still something I just enjoy. Like as somebody who's a new and recent convert to Earth Crisis, I did, en I did enjoy a, a decent amount. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of potential. You sort of, uh, in hindsight, you see it as sort of the slingshot, the slingshot getting pulled back. I think um, another another big another heavy hitter from this era was Despair from Buffalo. Actually, a lot of stuff from from the Midwest in this era, which I think as as Midwesterners, I think we can when we can say is cool. Um, really stompy, moshy, like almost kind of ahead of its time um there are parts that are so fast as to almost be power violence ish power violence adjacent um <laughs> almost kind of the fat the fast parts the circle pity kind of parts almost sound like stretch armstrong but with like <laughs> a little bit more aggro vox from where i sit um and uh, most important to point out that this is scott fogel's band uh prior to prior to terror yeah, I was just going to bring that up, which is just so cool. And it's it feels like it's in a very different pocket than what Terror would do, as we'll get to later. Yeah, I really, really liked, I really, really liked Despair a lot. It was one of the standouts from this early era, for sure. Um, and sort of the third, the third hard-hitting band from this era, the most prominent one that really, you made, they made an impact. You see them on a lot of, like, vintage flyers from this era, or a band called Brothers Keeper from, from Erie, Pennsylvania. Again, sort of rounding out the Rust Belt uh, prominence in this in this era. Uh, <laughs> there are parts that that almost kind of are in, in a groovy enough territory to where, for me, they sound like like heavy Fugazi. Uh, very snap casey at points, which again, being from that part of the world, you just, you get that. Um, <laughs> vocals are crazy as fuck. Like, yes, yes. The axe to grind fellas uh, have a word for this uh, for the style of vocals, maniac music. Uh, and I think that that's like really a relevant term to to use here. 
Um, I, from an instrumentation perspective, I, I can definitely see how this could have, this could have had an influence on bands like Magnitude from, for instance, yeah. during day. Um, out of all the early stuff, I really took to this. And I think it's a common refrain I'll have when we talk about hardcore, but the vocals in particular just really stood out. And I love when hardcore gets really close to rap rock and like new metal kind of thing. And the, the vocals definitely do that. Um, and yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I really love this. I was surprised. I had no, no prior knowledge about Brothers Keeper except for just being a name I've heard. It's honestly super fucking cool. <laughs> like uh, they, they uh, they're just so crazy sounding. Um, I really, I'm, I'm stoked that they have as much of a legacy as they have because it would be easy for as, for as larger than life as the, as the era that we're about to get into was and the bands from it rose to such prominence. Uh, you would almost think that the bands from the first four years would get a little bit overshadowed and to an extent they do, but um, yeah, I do think that over time, Brothers Keeper especially are getting their flowers. Kicking off the core years, what I sort of view as the core years here of, of the Trust Guild catalog, 1999 to 2006, roughly, we've got Poison the Well. I sort of feel like their, their uh, first LP, Opposite of December, released in the twilight of 1999, is kind of the, the first big salvo of this era, right? And I think it, it remains one of the most definitive records Um absolutely essential metalcore record i think it's impossible to imagine a current era modern era of metalcore without without this record i think poison the wells discography in general is essential to this sort of core era of the of the trust kill sound um obviously if you haven't checked out poison the well for whatever reason definitely definitely do it they accomplish a lot in their sort of first three albums, they cover an insane amount of sonic ground. Hugo, what's your what's your take on Poison the Well this time around? Um, that record is really the start of that second wave of metalcore, and um, this is obviously one of my favorites. I I recently did the deep dive on on them uh, thanks to that Brooklyn Vegan like essential records on the second wave. Um, and I don't know, I really like this just because it really splits the difference between like that more emo pop sound that was really burgeoning at this time and that like metalcore sound that I love. And I don't really think there's a lot of bands we're going to talk about that um, that kind of try to mimic what they do. But I think it doesn't take away from like the lasting power of these records. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's um, there's a good reason why they're still celebrated to this day. And why I imagine people pop off for them at Furnace Fest. The it's it's really worth noting that the, what you mentioned the the alternating between the shredded aggro um, extreme vocals and clean singing it gets it's good from Jump right like I think it's pretty good on Opposite of December and it gets notably better across their discography and I think that uh, with the exception of maybe Grade. Um, I would say that they're that they're best in class in this cohort of metalcore bands um, in executing that. I don't think I think that they sort of walked so that you know, for example, Killswitch Engage could run later on. Um, 
there's a band we're gonna get to later that i that i'd argue almost perfects it as well as them but we'll get to that totally um next up is turmoil another one of the we're not one of the heavy hitters from this era, but I feel like they talked about um, not really that much outside of, you know, heads um, really, really was taken aback by turmoil. They were, they were one of the first bands I ever heard, but I, they got lost in the shuffle pretty quickly with all the other stuff that came out shortly after. It's just, I can't say enough good things about, um, specifically the process of the record that came out in 99. I just think that it's kind of everything that I like about trust kill rolled into one band. Um, what do you think about, what do you think about turmoil? I mean, I obviously love this. Um, I similarly only came to them pretty recently and I think partially it didn't hit because they're much more in that nineties pocket than like, something like Poison the Well or some of the other bands. And um, I don't know if they toured a bunch, but they're they're one of those that was a Philly favorite and kind of like, like you said, for the real heads. But it does really compact a lot. Just um, still sounds like, sounds really modern. Like, I think it could come out today and still pop and would pop. Um, Like, you know, not exact, like, I don't know, like, if you like Colonial Wound, I definitely recommend this to you. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tur- Turmoil's, this record was really good and um, would definitely at the top of my list. 100% like foundational for a lot of modern hardcore, right? Like Terror, I think is, um, Terror doesn't, doesn't happen in the same way without the influence of Turmoil from where I'm sitting, right? Like probably Hatebreed is the bigger player there. Um, I think that Hatebreed is the, the band that gets lip service the most in terms of being influential to modern heavy hardcore, but um, Turmoil's essential. So if you haven't checked them out, like I, like I had a bit of a blind spot around them, definitely, definitely do. Nora, another favorite among the heads from Highland Park, New Jersey. Um, for my money, kind of the, the band that really perfected Panic Chords right? Like Panic Chords very quickly became a staple of metalcore and modern metallic hardcore in general. And like Nora does a absurd amount of, of Panic Chords. Um, Screamo adjacent, Botch adjacent, Moshier, really like the snare production. <laughs> Me harping on that as I, as I normally do. Um, they're I know a band. you said you weren't as into this, right? Am I correct? Yeah, you know, there's something that there's something that hits me is just like a little a little too formulaic about it. But that's that's admittedly just me me needing to dive into them more. They were always a blind spot for me. Yeah, I I was I was always way more into like everything else besides Nora. Like I was into Botch and Breather Resist and stuff, but. Nor was always a bit of a blind spot yeah. for me. So I need to give them a fair shake. Um, and I think it's the next record is like the record for them. So it might it might just be a case of wrong record. I, I might be wrong. There might be someone who corrects me, but that's the one that I tend to see mentioned more. Absolutely. Um, Idle Hands, SoCal band, um, I think less often talked about in this era. 
um, they had their, they sort of didn't really get a chance to pop off from, from the way I understand it, because they had a pretty bad van flip in 2000. Um, definitely from where I sit kind of in the Fugazi zone, maybe also in like an offshoot of a descendant of turning point, um, <laughs> kind of almost proto paramore female vocals, um, choruses are really strong and catchy. Um, they, this was like one of the more, more interesting bands, um, from the discography in general, and especially from this era for me. Yeah, there was a lot of character. And I would probably partially disagree. This kind of gave me more of a 90s polyvinyl feel. Um, like much more on that emo tip. Like I don't want to say Rainer Maria just because it's a female vocalist, but it has that same energy of um of stuff that I really love. And like I don't think every song was perfect on here, but there was a lot of swings. Like I'm trying to remember that there's one track that like in the middle of it has a piano part that I really love. Um, and I don't know, just like, I appreciate a band that's just, they're like swinging for something and I never have heard of them. And I think it might just be a product of them being on this label. Like, I wonder if they were on like, I don't know, initial or something, if it would have popped off more, but this is like definitely in my bag while you were what well, this was definitely like the kind of stuff I was listening to in college when I was kind of going back and learning about the whole 90s emo thing yeah for sure it definitely seems like something that would have fit a little better on initial or even um EVR um which are both labels that we'll end up eventually talking about on this pod for sure um little spoiler there um moving on uh walls of Jericho from Detroit, Michigan, represent uh, Rust Belt Pride. I think that Walls of Jericho um, was very foundational in this moment. Um, first record came out in '99, and I think that they didn't really they didn't really solidify their sound until '06. But they definitely represent a pivot point for the trust kill sound moving into more of like a big room um big room more radio friendly metalcore sound radio friendly is a, a stretch but produced polished definitely again not on the 99 record but in the on the 06 and 08 records they um, basically become um a band in the same vein as kill switch engage uh, if you're on the hype shit recently and have been checking out stuff like Dying Wish and See You Space Cowboy, uh, a lot of that is indebted to uh, to foundations that were laid um, on these Walls of Jericho records. Um, I think I really think that Walls of Jericho records are a high point of this discography, and it was uh, fun to revisit them because they were a band that was pretty meat and potatoes for me um, in their time as far as being a band that I ate a lot of. Yeah, um, really, really, really just well done metalcore. Like you said, it's like a little, a little technical. And I think Me and Potatoes is right. Like they're, they're trying to do a very specific thing and, accom and accomplishing it. It's not like trying to go for like the pop thing, which is, um, which is nice as we'll get to, because there's some, sometimes when we get later where I'm just like this, this is just torture and uh, having something like this that just, hits you right in the chest 
uh, is, is nice. Absolutely. Um, sort of in the same vein um, of, of uh, metalcore that started out very chaotic and scrumpy and then moved pretty rapidly in a more, um, more big room, radio-friendly direction, Orange County's own 18 Visions, part of a, a cluster of bands that were absolutely essential for Trust Kill, without, without which Trust Kill, as we know, it does not happen at all. Um, 18 Visions covers a lot of ground in their time as a Trust Kill band. Um, Until the Ink Runs Out is like a masterclass in chaos and scronk and like has everything, you know, like I really think it's a, it's one of, I think that Until the Ink Runs Out is like one of the most influential metalcore records there is, right? Because you have Panic Chords, you have Hard Mosh, you have movie dialogue samples, like to the nines, right? Like I think that, I think it's one of the albums that really perfected that device. And you have funny song titles. Now, after this, after this record, 18V moves in pretty short order to a way more radio-friendly sound where they almost kind of sound like Nickelback with mosh parts at points. I'm not disparaging them by saying that, but I think that a song like Tower of Snakes that does like get into you know mid-tempo chin rock uh, territory while also having like the best modern medical match part of all time like i just really like that 18 visions were never afraid to to fucking go brave places with their sound and their look and i think that that's why like history has decorated them as being one of the most influential and prominent metalcore bands especially of this era yeah i was really surprised how much i like like the tower of snakes and like that second record i was um seeing like I, I don't know i was just expecting it when they when i when it started and it's like oh this is going very pop that it's it just wasn't gonna work but they pulled it off and i think it's you know just listening to that first record it's pretty apparent that um that they could pretty much do whatever the hell they wanted and and pull it off um yeah and like just still still a seminal record another one of those similar turmoil that just kind of stands the test of time most precious blood from brooklyn uh, tom sheehan uh, podcasting legend of axe to grind was the was the vocalist uh of most precious most precious blood during this era they were i feel like a, a band that during this era just had a perfect name and got name checked a lot they also worked really hard um, with tom and post tom uh i really love i really really love their 2001 album i really like tom's vocal styles uh very near neighbor to the the absolute goaded hardcore band uh hope conspiracy sound wise I also think that on this record, you you get you get flavors that end up becoming prototypical for stuff like Comeback Kid and Sinking Ships later on. Like I, I, I hear a lot of roots, sort of melodic anthemic stuff happening that I think is uh, is really fun and compelling. And this is this is a record that I'm for sure gonna gonna end up going back to quite a bit now. I wouldn't have made the melodic hardcore connection, but that is. Um... 
That is interesting. And I think it's also important to note that this is essentially indecision, but with a different name for this first first record, it's all the same members, which I think is why they got name checked because it's 90s New York hard hardcore dudes doing a new band. And um I think the production's perfect and I um Tom's vocals are really can't be replicated and I think um are what makes this this record in particular very unique especially among this the other stuff that's um that's happening around this time absolutely um tom sheehan a singular talent and the him and the casey's and all the other indecision folks are just institutional giants in hardcore and you should listen um, to Colossus, his new band, which Rips too put on an EP yeah. last year. That yeah, it's Colossus is Tom and essentially half of Mind Force and half of Age of Apocalypse. Really, really, really good stuff. Um, next up, Hopes Fall from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I think that they're like one of the coolest bands from Trust Kill. Um, came out of the gate with a good EP um, and then 2002's The Satellite Years, which is like an absolutely iconic melodic metalcore band um, album. <laughs> I, I, I really think that they, they just go to such interesting places sonically uh, on this record. And it's the only record of theirs that sounds like it does. Um, they had a key member leave the band after this record and on their follow-up record a types basically just started sounding like third eye blind with mosh parts um and then by by their their 2007 record they had sort of followed a similar arc to cave in and just gone completely completely space rock like a space rock tinged post hardcore um that's a sound that they actually ended up perfecting on their EVR comeback record in 2018, Arbiter, which I think is the high point of their work. But um, really, really big fan of, of Hope's Fall. And if you haven't checked out the Satellite Years, like I think it is one of the most one of the most essential Trust Kill releases. And it it occupies a unique and iconic um, sonic space that that no other band really gets near, in my opinion. Um. So this was the one I was referencing. Um, that I think kind of, I don't know, perfects the, the like pop and metalcore stuff. This is probably the record. This is a band you've referenced to me a lot. I remember you playing in the car once and the record I probably played the most just because I was so intrigued by it. And even the songs that didn't work, I kept returning back to. And I think it just, I don't know, like, a lot of this discography is dealing with that tension between bands wanting to do a pop and sort of sticking to their metalcore roots or whatever. And I think this one does like a really excellent, excellent job of it. Um, and I don't know, I, I really, I really took, took to this, to this one. It's, it might be my favorite uh, um, in their whole discography for sure. Yeah. Hopes fall again. If if any of this stuff is a blind spot for you, I I urge you to run, not walk towards Hopes Fall because they're just such a singular and amazing band, and they're continuing to put out to put out new shit that's really really good. 
like I would say that Arbiter is the best comeback album this side of Hums Inlet. Like I uh, I think they're just have a lot of talent and a lot of vision. Moving on. And to- other than Poison the Well, um, probably the most accessible thing on this list in terms of yeah. heavy stuff. Yeah. Throwdown. Uh, another another band in the Orange County family members of 18 vision and bleeding through which we'll talk about later i am fresh off my latest listen of haymaker um going out of this call i listened to it literally right before um i fucking love throwdown i mean i'm like i'm a straight edge bro and so like throwdown is near and dear to me they always kind of have been i have i never actually saw them live but i listened to haymaker on repeat on my way to see these very trust kill pilled um big room shows in the 2000s when i was in high school so um again really important for the orange county legacy really really important for being like the heavy straight edge band like i think that they're still the most decorated heavy straight edge band out there um, and Heavy Straight Edge is really having a moment right now with bands like Year of the Knife and uh, Inclination. And I think that Throwdown is, is foundational to that. They cover a lot of interesting ground in their discography. I personally still think that Haymaker is their, their best record. Um, but I really, uh, I really like, again, that how bold they were in sort, of a, in sort of an opposite way from 18 Visions where like, by their 2007 record Venom and Tears, they just kind of sound like a, like Pantera with circle bit parts, which I think is is fun. Like Keith very much has an Ans- Anselmo-ish vocal style anyway, even on the earlier shit. And so it was fun watching them go in that direction, even though I know it was super polarizing. Um, what what song was it? Nothing left. The song on the playlist was like straight edge madlibs oh yeah no raise your fist <laughs> raise your fist yeah, yeah. god um, this is not for me and i don't is is this the record because they had two other before that are, are ha- like what's the consensus around this band like what's the record people haymaker haymaker is the record at least for hardcore heads okay like, yeah um it's it's fine i mean it it didn't do it didn't do a lot it didn't do a lot for me but um but the context makes sense and i imagine if you're if you're getting into this stuff at the time it um it's a nice little breath of fresh air it's not nearly as heavy as some of this other stuff so i can i can see why people are as into it as they are absolutely um, rounding out the the Orange County Trust Kill Trifecta, Bleeding Through, a band that just announced they're going to be playing Furnace Fest this year. Um, the most the most fucking fitness bro fucking hardcore band ever. Um, their lead singer Brandon Shapati is like literally a fitness model. Uh, hilarious band, love. <laughs> Love their output on Trust Kill simply because if for no other reason than it is some of the most some of the most well executed modern metalcore that you can get. Right. Like it's just 
it is so it seems formulaic now in hindsight because it laid such a wonderful template for modern metalcore moving forward that ended up getting more commercially successful uh, but i remember when this record first came out and just having my mind completely blown because i was like holy shit like these guys are on a completely different level what the fuck are they putting in the water out in orange county to make all these extremely toxic chads uh, make all of this good 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 metalcore so i i uh i ride hard for bleeding through even if it doesn't make it into my regular rotation because too much uh real estate is being taken up by throw it down i've liked this more i think it's i think it's just a little more technical and there's some gothy like black metal stuff in here um which and i'm like a very i love listening to black metal when i'm in the mood so i think having more of that stuff in there is just it's like just a little bit of a different move that um that just works that just works for me um compared to compared to throwdown um yeah moving back over to the eastern tier of the country um for a second with it dies today um a band that very much aesthetically and culturally took to what was going on in orange county and sort of did like a uh, a more ham-fisted in my opinion midwestern version of it um i really think it's it's it dies today are primarily interesting to me because they functioned as a character foil for every time i die like if you listen to interviews with the every time i die guys like they never really mentioned them by name but they talk about the fashion core stuff that was happening and how basically their entire ethos spun up as a clapback to the kind of stuff that it, it dies today we're doing um being contemporaries in that scene um this is this is not for me um i just don't think it has the it has the grit and honesty that the orange county stuff um uh, <laughs> has it, it feels like a caricature of the orange county stuff and i i just don't find bands besides 18 visions doing the fashion core thing compelling like 18 visions is sort of where it stops and starts and stops for me so that's just one man's opinion though yeah i'm probably on there i was this is like sort of what i'm talking about when like the poorly execute not poorly executed the stuff that doesn't work for me is like trying to go pop or do the metalcore with pop stuff and it just doesn't it just doesn't hit me this the same way um and this is me listening to it you know almost two decades after it came out so and I'm a 28 year old man so maybe it's not for me in the first place but it just didn't it just didn't do much for me to be honest rounding out this cohort last but very much not least um for hardcore for the hardcore community hands down i would say the most important trust kill band fucking los angeles california fucking terror icons um i think year over year being more and more regarded as the the undisputed titans of modern hardcore um they worked harder than anybody 
they have a really great ethos. People love them as people. And more importantly than all of that, their discography is pretty close to fucking flawless, especially the material from this era when they still had Todd Jones also of Nails in the band. Um, one with the Underdogs, their 2004 album, um, for, for really anybody's money is the best, the best modern hardcore album, or at least the best hardcore album that came out in the 2000s. Um, there's not much else to say about Terror. They're, they're the goats. If, um, if for any reason whatsoever you like hardcore and you haven't given Terror the time of day, like fix that soon because as long as you're into fast aggro hardcore, like Terror's, Terror are the masters of it. Yeah, and just a really interesting band that's still been able to exist like in their own way through decades and decades and like still puts on for the community like took out drain and dare and one step closer pretty recently um and i think i've never been the biggest the biggest terror person and i think it's just the the aggro posturing thing as we kind of talked about with in the last episode with harm's way but i think this is the most i like them just because it just felt monumentally different next to everything else which is which is just fun and um yeah it's they're monumentally just an important band and it's it's cool to see it's cool to see them and among all this other stuff because i had no idea they were on trust kill terror were the the first the first hardcore band i ever saw live um as i think i mentioned earlier on march of 2005 uh changed everything for me showed me the shit was possible i still remember i still remember the the speech that scott vogel did before they played one with the underdogs pretty much verbatim so moving on um we've gotten out of the core years now and are moving into what i call the end times 2007 2010 maybe a little bit shorter shrift with this on my end just because i i think that this is the weakest point of the catalog i know that there are others you know who are a little bit more focused on the commercial success angle that will argue opposite of me uh finn mckenty did a did a deep dive on trust kill a couple years ago where he really highlights this era i personally think from like a from just a pure like music head standpoint it's it's kind of weak sauce um high high points for me like i mentioned earlier throw down venom and tears Hopes Fall Magnetic North, and then the the two walls of Jericho records that happened in 06 and 08. Um, a lot of uh, from my from my point of view, more regrettable um, <laughs> foundations got laid during this era. The first uh, first Memphis May Fire record and the first Bullet for My Valentine record um, came out during this era on Truskill, and uh, that was just a period of time where I really fell off of this stuff. I think it became, as it became commercially successful, it became a little bit more formulaic and like, I'm, there's, I try to be pretty transparent about the fact that I'm like, I'm here for the core and I like, don't really give that much of a fucking shit if stuff is commercially successful or not. So like, again, just like a misalignment of vision from with me vis-a-vis the label here. And uh, I think, 
obviously like would wound up would wind up being the death throes of the label um pretty quickly yeah and that's kind of just it's kind of a thing that happens like hits on a certain sound other bands try to do the thing and stuff eventually gets watered down and there's like parts in the bullet for my valentine stuff that i was like oh this isn't as far away from hardcore but i think it's i was watching the music music video for one of their songs and i was just like oh yeah this is just real corny and i hate it but like the bullet for my valentine record was the highest selling thing for trust kill and i think the only positive is it it allowed like josh to have like a second not a second life but a new life with them be able to continue doing doing a thing that just started in his parents basement um but yeah i feel the same way about memphis mayfire like within a couple seconds of listening to it i kind of had an audible like nope not for me um but yeah there's still some yeah i don't know it's it's just how it goes unfortunately I did a really funny bit back when this bullet for my Valentine record first came out where I listened to my bloody Valentine a ton and would just punish people about my bloody Valentine. Cause like everybody I knew, um, I ran in a decently like cigarettes and monster energy circle during this period of my <laughs> life. And so like, uh, I was like, yeah, hey, yeah. I've been listening to my bloody Valentine a lot. And there was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, do you mean Bullet for My Valentine? I was like, no, bitch. <laughs> I mean my bloody Valentine. They're a band that sounds like vacuum cleaners, dude. They're awesome. And uh this is this is just a this is a this is a pro my bloody valentine podcast. At least on So here's my story in reference to that. For the longest time I didn't listen to My Bloody Valentine because I thought they were bullet for my Valentine because well, for my Valentine was on Fuse. So. Just fucking rules. So that's my story. And it's also like just on the My Bloody Valentine. No, Bullet for My Valentine. I did it. Um, um, they were all, one of their songs was also on a Madden game, too. So I that's how I first listened to them, I think. <laughs> like Madden 06 or something, because I used to play those all the time as a kid. Um, so that gives you an idea of like, where the label was kind of at at this time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of, a lot of commercial success. Um, nothing to sneeze at. A rising tide lifts all boats. Um, and a big reason that, uh, a big reason that there are so many eyes on this era of modern hardcore is because of the commercial success of these albums in this, uh, this sort of final era. Um, moving on to, what what brings us to the current day right like very uh very unfortunate end to trust kill there are a whole bunch of uh kind of commercial missteps and financial fallings out and there was a lot of pressure uh sort of push-pull pressure between um the label and some of the bands um tarnish the legacy of the label from an ethical perspective uh, a lot of controversy, a lot of bands uh, came out vocally, vocally anti-Josh and anti-trust kill. That is what it is. Um, you can you can go read Wikipedia uh, if you want if you want that side. 
Um, we're here to talk about how important it was musically and culturally, which is undeniable. Um, in 2010, Josh disbands the label and starts a label called Bullet Tooth. Um, recently, the Trust Kill website got got revived. We'll see. We'll see what comes of that. I'm curious to see what kind of commercial push happens at the behest of that, if any. Um, I have to think that with Furnace Fest being a thing again, that Josh being the good businessman that he is, sees some sort of opportunity to, you know, do some reissues and whatnot. So we'll have to see. We'll um, have to see what happens. Let me just, I did some research on this. So I think Trustville is still owned by a major. And um, so he's just been assisting with reissues and stuff because like other labels will come to them. But I think it's, it's similar with some of these labels during this era that like he just jumped ship because they signed to like a major or something. And then the people that brought them on got fired or quit. And usually when that happens, it's like the death throws or a band or a label. So I, at least from my view, it seems like the trust kill like Instagram and stuff. It seems to be more of an archival thing kind of like just like you know like those archival instagrams where it'll just post remember like a picture of a show or whatever and he'll still help out but i don't know if he'll ever unfortunately be able to get back the the trust kill name like officially um that's well, yeah. just off some bare research that and that and i mean like all the really essential bands um had had big fallings out with josh that probably are beyond repair <laughs> like all the really essential bands like from that we talked about a lot that sort of define the trust kill sounds like are on from what i understand pretty bad terms with with josh um that all being said we don't want to end this we don't want to end this on a on a sad or bad note like at the end of the day what this comes down to is that trust kill had a absolutely enormous an incalculably big impact on both the both the critical and commercial facets of modern hardcore, modern metallic hardcore, modern metalcore, whatever you want to call it. Um, Josh was really, really undeniably good at picking winners. He was really undeniably good with his vision, and he essentially took a took a big sonic and aesthetic risk by um by doubling down on a lot of the sounds that were happening and and picking bands that you know that would be good stewards of that sound and take it to new levels and it's just really amazing looking at this looking at this discography in hindsight and and seeing how many just absolute ass beater titans of bands and how many amazing records happened during this era like i would say that nothing about nothing about the modern heavy music landscape either on the commercial side or kind of the more core side looks even remotely the same without the influence of trust kill and so if if for whatever reason you haven't ever done a deep dive on this um on on you know on this label on trust kill like i, I urge you to because there's if you like heavy music there's probably something here for you and you're probably going to spin up some new favorites for yourself yeah, I agree with all you said, and like I said at the top, it was just a, it was a fun exercise for me because there was a lot of stuff that I heard, but heard of, but never 
listen to and even if like the later era stuff i was getting kind of annoyed as i listened it was it was still like instruct instructive to like kind of follow where metalcore eventually went because that's what trust kill is kind of the story of like for better or worse and depending on how old you are that's where you'll fall but i think it's they're a really fascinating one to follow and like um you know there's it's just a cool it's i always appreciate these stories of something from the zine to throwing shows in your parents basement to like being a he was in law school and got to quit and do this as his job and make a mark on the scene. And I think that's just awesome. And I really enjoyed doing this deep dive. Yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of old faves, a lot of new faves here. Um, thanks for joining us, y'all. Uh, again, dive into this stuff with us. You know, we're, uh, there, there's a lot of richness out there in, in the world of music. And you might just become uh a better lover of music and you might just start enjoying music more um the more you dive in the more stuff you check out uh, this has been watch me pod hugo do you have anything else before we sign off uh just going off that yeah thanks for following along and i know as somebody who devours music i know it can be overwhelming when people are throwing stuff so i at you so i hope um this at least encourages you to check some stuff out i i always have fun preparing for these for these episodes and our first of many label dives and yeah thanks for listening there's going to be a link in the description uh, to a playlist that we made on spotify to sort of prep for this that is sort of the essentials of trust kill and uh we hope that you can use that as a as a starting point for yourself um we're signing off Again, this is Watch Me Pod. Thanks for thanks for joining and we'll catch you next time.